Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to another beautiful morning here in Puerto Vallarta anyway. I don't know what it's like where you are. If you're enduring any uh, bad weather, let us know, especially if you're in the area where it's getting flooding. Uh, I heard some really sad reports of some of the flooding going on up in the U.S. And, of course, there's some severe flooding in some other parts of the world. I think Dubai and some of those other places, really bad. But for us, we're enjoying another Gorgeous morning, and it'll probably get rainy this afternoon, we hope, to cool things off a little bit. But I have been preparing, looking at some of the interesting things going on. Got a few dad jokes lined up for us, and I thought we'd look at this day in history trivia for just a moment. This, again, and Frank, on this day, on the 4th, and seven other Jews are found by the Nazis taken into concentration camp. I guess the other day we read, or day before, was her last entry. Makes sense. She wouldn't be writing um, once she was taken into the camp. The U.S. purchase of the Virgin Islands happened on this day in 1916. The U.S. signs a treaty to purchase the Danish Virgin Islands from Denmark for $25 million in gold. The following year, it was ratified, and the U.S. took possession. The U.S. Virgin Islands are the only place in the United States where traffic drives on the left. I've never been there. should go there someday and check it out. Um, the, you, did you guys know that the Revenue Cutter Service began on this day, 1790? Very important... Um, group, I should say, government agency that has helped millions and millions of people. The Revenue Cutter Service is founded and later becomes known as the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm so glad they changed their name. <laughs> I can't imagine being rescued by the Revenue Cutter Service. Um, that's pretty weird. And let's see, the only other one, Jesse Owens, takes another medal 1936 on this day at Adolf Hitler's <laughs> Aryan superiority uh, Olympics he was hoping to outshine everyone it didn't work out so good and um, World War One US President Woodrow Wilson proclaims the neutrality of the US in the World War One but the majority of Americans uh, even though they wanted to stay out of the war Germany sank a number of American merchant ships which changed people's opinion and they entered into the war there you go now on to the dad jokes here's an oldie but a goodie a horse walks into a bar and the bartender asks why the long face what did the yogi say to the hot dog vendor make me one with everything Where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? When Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. 
thought I played a new sound for you. I don't know what that one goes to, but there you go. That's a classic biblical joke. There you go. All right, we're going to move into the reading for today. So as you can see, hopefully you can see, we are in 1 Kings 11 and Acts 18 this morning. If you want to find your spot in your Bible, I do encourage you to have your Bible open and read along. Father God, thank you for this morning, and we give you this time and open up, God, our hearts as we open up our Bibles and show us the things that you want to teach us and guide us in and help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Amorite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hivite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they shall surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. But when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonian, and Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, did not follow the Lord fully, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab. On the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the son of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now the Lord was very angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning these things that he should not go after other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you, and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your day for the sake of your father David, but I will tear it out of your hand, the hand of your son. However, I will not tear it away, all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem which I have chosen. Verse 14, Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad the Edomite, and he was of the royal line of Edom. And it came about when David was in Edom that Joab the commander of the army had gone up to bury the slain and had struck down every male in Edom. And Joab and all Israel stayed there six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. That Hadad fled to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, while Hadad was a young boy. They arose from Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, and Pharaoh king of Egypt, who gave him a horse and assigned him food and gave him land. Now Hadad found great favor before Pharaoh, so that he gave him in marriage to his sister of his own wife, the sister of 
Tephanes, the queen, the sister of Tephanes, bore his son, Genubath, who Tephanes weaned to Pharaoh's house. And Genubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. But when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers, and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Send me away that I may go to my own country. So Pharaoh said to him, But what have you lacked with me? And behold, you are seeking to go to your own country. And he answered, Nothing, nevertheless, you must surely let me go. God also raised up another adversary to him, Razan, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadazer, the king of Zobah. He gathered men to himself and became leader of a marauding band after David slew them in Zobah, and they went to Damascus and stayed there and reigned in Damascus. So he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, along with the evil that Hadad did. And he abandoned Israel and reigned over Aram. When Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, the Ephraimite of Zereda, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. Now this was the reason why he rebelled against the king. Solomon built the Milo and closed up the breach of the city of his father, David. Now, the man Jeroboam was a valiant warrior, and when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he appointed him over all the forced labor of the house of, jo- of Joseph. It came about at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had clothed himself with a new cloak, and both of them were alone in the field. And when Ahijah took hold of the new cloak, which was on him, he tore it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give you ten tribes. But he will have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the sons of Ammon. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in the sight, observing my statutes and my ordinances, as his father David did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose, who observed my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, even ten tribes. But to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen for myself to put my name. I will take you, and you shall reign over whatever you desire, and you shall be king over Israel. Then it will be that if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes, my commandments, as my servant David did, that I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. 
Thus I will afflict the descendants of David for this. But not always. Solomon sought therefore to put Jeroboam to death. But Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt. And he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon and whatever he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? Thus the time of Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years, and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of his father David, and his son Rehoboam reigned in his place. Now this is so, so tragically sad of, of Solomon being ruined. We just was reading in Ecclesiastes how Solomon held this great wisdom about and also in the Proverbs and some the Psalms, I think, about being a, his writing to his son, be wary of the woman, be wary of the adulteress, be wary of the woman um, who is basically a seductress and will lead you down a path and will lead you, it will lead to death, you know, and all of these things that if you fall into that and her lips are sweet and if you go there and you will not, you know, go, fall into a trap, you will not ever escape. And there's all this wisdom, tremendous wisdom, of which apparently Solomon fell into. He, he didn't heed his own wise words of wisdom. And that maybe that's one of the reasons why he wrote it, because he was realizing his weakness. I don't know. But this is tragic, because he takes the worst of the worst of the gods, and he... Uh, he builds a temple, it would seem, on top of the Mount of Olives, because the Mount of Olives is what's east of Jerusalem. And it's up there for a long period of time. It's actually elevated higher than the, than the, the temple. It looks down on the temple. And, um, and this is really, really <laughs> um, illustrative of the war that was going on on the spiritual plane. Here you have this the most magnificent temple ever built with the pure gold to the glory of God. And the God's glory filled the temple and God's holy presence was there in the Holy of Holies. And sacrifices are going on. People are worshiping. Everything's beautiful. And then Solomon goes, oh yeah, honey, I'll, I'll build you a temple where you can slaughter children and burn them alive to Molech. Yeah, sure. I have a difficult, difficult time trying to wrap my mind around what happened to Solomon. How he could go from that king who raised his hands up when it was dedicating the temple and saying, God, heaven and earth can't contain you. How much less this small building. But when your people pray here, and when your people come and fall before you and ask for forgiveness, forgive here and forgive and bless your people. And speaking of Yahweh always as the God of gods and being the one true powerful God over Israel. And all of the kingdoms of the world came to David and they all acknowledged the power of Yahweh. And yet his heart was turned away. How? Through the flesh. And that's always the avenue the enemy wants to take to destroy us through some 
aspect of the flesh I, I don't think is uh, that was genuine love for his wife so how do you have genuine love for 1,000 women each individual you, you he had concubines he's, uh, these women he only seemed to love one woman and that's what we have the Song of Solomon about the rest political alliances and pleasure it's and, and pro procreation it just doesn't make sense so if the wisest man in the world could fall to the lust of the flesh, we know we all are subject to it. We have to be very careful and we have to constantly be falling on our face before the Lord and uh, say, God, just keep us firmly in your grip and keep us, God, uh, keep us on track. Let keep our minds focused on the things of of you, and again, had Solomon been reading the word every day, had Solomon done what he was supposed to do, write his own copy of the law and read it every day? Don't think so. Don't think this would happen had he done that. This is why we read every day. Acts 18 now. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, he came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working for by trade, they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul in Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul, and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God, contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O oh, Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if these are questions about words and names of your own law, look after yourselves. I'm not willing to be a judge in these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of, of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Centuria, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. 
they came to Ephesus and they left him there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent. For taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region to Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in speech, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and they took him aside, and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Well, you have the, the ministry going on there with Paul and getting opportunity now to turn away from the Jews and go to the Gentiles, getting kind of permission, doing his best, just what Jesus did, going first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And when they did not want to hear him anymore, he says, I'm, I'm going. So he goes. And, and, you know, he needs to get this encouragement from the Lord. It's, it's nice when we get that encouragement. God comes and says, don't worry, Paul. Uh, at least for now, you're safe. Nobody's going to bother you. And he spends that year and a half teaching and getting a lot of time where he can just teach in the word. And, and you see that God starts bringing in other guys, Paul, and uh, bringing him alongside Paul. And, and he's getting instructed. And we have, we have Gentiles getting trained up. And we have Jews getting um, trained up. And we have the church now becoming kind of foundational here in teaching. This is all centered around the correct teaching. Remember Aquila and Priscilla come and teach him more accurately. He knew about Jesus, knew about the baptism of John, hadn't connected all the dots. And, and it would be interesting to really understand what he thought. And they come along and say, no, no, okay, he was, John's the Old Testament, he's, he's the bridge. He's now bringing in the new, the new covenant of God. He was the last of the prophets, and he's pointing to Jesus now Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and only through faith in him is one saved. Now, there, he, he correctly taught something about Jesus, but we don't know all. Did he understand the deity of Jesus? Did he understand the Trinity? And so this is what happens a lot in churches. We hear the basic, basic, so we hear something about Jesus, we grow up, and we often can have an, a correct, yeah, I know that he was, he came and he died on a cross for us. And many people think, I'm, I, if I believe in him and do good works and get baptized, I'll be saved. And then somebody comes along and explains the way more accurately. And this is so precious. This Priscilla and Quilla have this great gift ministry team. I love that, that it was a husband-wife ministry team, which is why I like working with my wife. 
this ministry team where we can come in and speak more accurately. And, and this is uh, what we enjoy doing, saying, look, you have the basic down. Jesus is real. He did die on the cross. But more accurately, your salvation comes through faith in him, not through your works, not through your baptism, not through the mass, not through purgatory and, you know, cleansing through the fire. It's by faith and faith alone. And so once once um, Apollos got this man, he, he took it and ran. He says, now I've got to go take this and, and share this. And this is what the gospel does, and this is what it's about. Moving on now to Charles Spurgeon. He blesses and keeps. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Numbers 624. The first clause of the high priest benediction is substantially a promise. That blessing which our great high priest pronounces upon us is sure to come, for he speaks the mind of God. What a joy to abide under the divine blessing. This puts a gracious flavor into all things. If we are blessed, then all our possessions and enjoyments are blessed. Yea, our losses and crosses and even our disappointments are blessed. God's blessing is deep, emphatic, effectual. A man's blessing may begin and end in words, but the blessing of the Lord makes rich and sanctifies. The best wish we can have for our dearest friend is not, may prosperity attend thee, but the Lord bless thee. It is equally a delightful thing to be kept of God, kept by him, kept near, kept in him. They are kept indeed whom God keeps. They are preserved from evil. They are reserved unto boundless happiness. God's keeping goes with his blessing to establish it and cause it to endure. The author of this book desires that the rich blessing and sure keeping here pronounced may come upon every reader who may at this moment be looking at these lines. Please breathe the text to God as a prayer for his servants. Well, let's do that. Father, thank you for the blessing that we have in you. And we thank you that we are kept in you. We are pray we thank you that when we are kept in Christ that we receive more than we could ever ask for that we receive blessing upon blessing it is blessings that we cannot conceive of so many times in our rush to pay a bill or to fix a problem we can only look down the road a day or two or a week and we, we, we cannot see everything that you have on the horizon for us and the things that are coming. But we thank you that we're kept in you and that you are sovereign and that you do keep us in <laughs> safe and secure from the enemy, from all that can try and destroy us and tear us down. God, we desire what we desire is to stay walking with you, faithful, and not come off course and not be stumbled as Solomon did, God. We, we plead, we cry for your mercy and your grace and that your Holy Spirit, that we thank you, we have your Holy Spirit to be our guide, to come alongside us, 
and be shouting at us when we start going off course. We are blessed to have that, God, to thank you for that, where we all can have a life that is complete in Christ and actually run the race to the finish line and have a, and have our course set upon you and actually finish the race well. Solomon didn't, which in one very profound way means that we've been given a portion of wisdom that even Solomon didn't have. Certainly, if not wisdom, just your presence to guide us. So we have something which is very precious. We thank you for what you have given us and what you continue to give us. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you for people that come in and explain the way more accurately to us. That we can understand your word. And we can put it in perspective and then put it in practice in our life. This is what we desire, Father. To live as your servants, to live accurately your word so that we not only receive a blessing, that others receive your blessing, that they then could see the benefit of living after the Spirit and not after the flesh, so that they don't go off course, and that they, God, can walk with you, and their families be blessed, and the people around them be blessed. So we thank you. In the meantime, God, we do pray for those who are struggling and need your touch for their physical healing. For Juan Carlos, his continual healing which needs to happen rapidly and um, for Maria Elena and for Celeste and for Hank um, for BH for uh, Bendy Collingwood's sister in Arizona God who needs a lot of healing and I just pray you use Bendy in her life to come alongside her sister as she needs to be uh, a lot of attention a lot of healing God so thank you for, for Bendy, what she's doing. We just want to just ask special prayer for going on for for her right now. For uh, Dean and Kim, for their healing of their whole family, for the Lyme's disease and everything, all the difficulties there. And right now, God, we there's still fluid on in uh, Juan Carlos's brain. He's in surgery, God. They need to drain it off. So we're praying a special prayer right now that that would be happening even as we pray, God, you'd be taking it out and making it very clear to the doctors the path for his healing, that there would be no questions. They would see exactly what has to be done. And uh, we we just thank you that we have doctors that have this kind of, and surgery rooms and, and hospitals that have this kind of talent and ability to do this. So we thank you for them, for the nurses, and for what you're going to do in this life today. So God, we give you the rest of this day. Thank you for it. Thank you for service last night. Thank you for your word, and thank you for those that came and that were encouraged, our, our friends uh, from Canada that came down and, and were just a blessing to us, a pastor and his wife. Uh, God, thank you. Bless their ministry in Canada as they're ministering to Mexican, well, to Spanish speakers up there. Bless them richly, God. And uh, God, we will just continue to serve you and praise you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that will do it for today. So we will pick it up tomorrow and uh, stay um, stay positive, stay up, keep looking up. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear last night's teaching, you might want to go check it out on, on YouTube Live or Facebook Live. It's one of those messages I just, I love teaching because it, it, it's so positive for us in the long term. It's so, there's so much hope there 
coming from despair. It's where God can rebuild brokenness. It's just a wonderful thing to read in the scripture. So check it out if you can. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.